Loving God is seen in loving people. So we're going to, I'm going to use this for my Bible. I hope you don't mind. But turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. I told Tim I was going to do a little pickup. It was October 1st. Three Sundays ago, Tim preached a great message on how important it is that you know who you are, that you know your identity. I mean, we're living in a world where people are they're questioning their own gender. They're questioning a lot of things about themselves. They don't know who they are. And, and we can know who we are, that we're part of the, the family of God. And the title of this sermon is Little Words with Big Meaning. Because we really easy to skip over those first five words and just get into the meat of the teaching and everything. But I kind of put the brakes on, and I mentioned to Tim October 1st, as I was leaving, I said, I want you to look at the word, and I told him what the word was. Because I said, that's your identity. If is a huge word in the Bible. It's a, um, a conjunction. It joins two different phrases. One of the reasons why it's so big, even though it's small, one of the smallest words is because it's followed by then. It's a conditional conjunction. If this, then this. If not this, then not this. If you are in Christ, then you are a new creature. Sometimes the then is omitted, but it's always there. If you know Jesus as your Savior, then you're going to heaven. If you don't have the Son, then you're already under the wrath of God. It's a big word, huge word. Another big word is but. I like this word, especially when it's followed by God. You know, all the stuff that's happening in the world, but God. Have you ever thought about that? If it were not for the fact that the sovereign God of the universe is in control, and his plan from the very beginning to the very end is working itself out in our time and in our lives, why, there'd be no hope but God. But that's not the word I want to look at this morning. The word I want to look at this morning is the Greek word chi. We translate it and. It's a combining or an additive conjunction. It adds things. And those first five words of Paul's letter to the Christians at Thessalonica is palos, kai siluanos, kai timotheus. Paul and Silas and Timothy, and that word and is the little word that is so big. And it speaks to not only their identity, but it speaks to Tim's identity too. So I want to give a little bit of background on this. I, I don't know if, if you already are aware of this. But here is, yeah, you can see it, Greece. And that city up there, Philippi, um, 
Paul and Silas and Timotheus had traveled from Asia Minor. They had gone this way, and they had been going and confirming the different churches. Uh, Paul and Silas, uh, you can read about them and how they got joined together as a missionary team in Acts chapter 15. It used to be Paul and Barnabas, but then it became Paul and Silas. And in Derby, they picked up this uh, young fellow named Timothy. And so he begins traveling with them. Um, Paul is the Apostle Paul. And Silas is not just some flunky who happens to be going along making sandwiches for him. He is actually in the New Testament called a prophet. He is a gifted teacher. Now, in the New Testament, the word prophet means one who speaks forth the word of God. It doesn't mean somebody who's fortune-telling or foretelling the future or giving us predictions of what's going to happen. Some people get that confused. It literally means that he was a gifted teacher. And along with Paul, they would go into the Jewish synagogues on the Sabbath, on a Saturday, and reason from the Scriptures. We call them the Old Testament. They're not the Old Testament. According to Paul, they are the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation. And then we have what we call the New Testament. Half of that was written by Paul in letters that he's sending to the churches. So they're going and they're preaching to the Jews, and some accept and some don't, but they're also preaching to the Gentiles, and churches are being developed. And Timothy is the guy who's making sandwiches. He's the guy who's following along. He's... Paul is the mentor, Timothy is the mentee, and he's learning from both Paul and Silas. Philippi is significant, and that's where they got into a lot of trouble. Paul cast a demon out of a girl. They got thrown in jail. And so this is where Paul and Silas are in jail. I don't know where Timothy was. He wasn't in jail with them, but Paul and Silas, and they're, just, they're happy to be in jail for Jesus, and they're singing songs, and this is when all the doors bust open, and, and the Philippian jailer and his whole household get saved. It's a great story. You can read about it in, in the book of Acts. should be reading about it. But and then they leave there, and they go to a, a Roman city called Thessalonica. It's a coastal city, and in Thessalonica... They go and they develop a church there, and they preach the word there, and they get in trouble there. This is like everywhere Paul goes, he gets in trouble, but that's okay. It's a good kind of trouble. If you're going to get in trouble, get in good trouble, get in the trouble for preaching in Jesus' name. So they left there, and they went to Berea. And it, it's interesting. It says that they were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mine. People in Thessalonica had too, but they searched the scriptures daily to see if the things Paul was saying were true. Now, if they needed to search the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying is true, how much more do you need to search the scriptures to make sure that guys like myself and Tim and any other preachers you hear are speaking according to the word of God? Thankfully, we actually have a Bible school here, CDI, already been mentioned, and you can know what you believe and why you believe it, and you can be a contender for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, and I know Tim would say the same thing. Don't believe it because I say it. Go check it out. Read your Bibles for yourself. 
And then there's trouble. There's always trouble. So we've got to get Paul out of here. So they send Paul on down south. He goes to Athens. And it's, it's a really a great story. It's in Acts chapter 17 where Paul goes to the Areopagus and he's reasoning with um, the guys that all they do is they just get around on Mars Hill and they sit around and they reason. You know, they're philosophers, you know, and it's, really, it's a really interesting story. You're going to have to read that one on your own. And then ultimately, Paul goes on to the city of Corinth. He's there for quite a while, and he is, as he always is doing, is planting a church, developing a church. He's joined now by Paul, is joined by Silas, and by Timothy, and they regroup. And the reason that I'm telling you all this is because it's from Corinth that Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica. They're not that, well, they are that far apart if you're walking, actually. If, if you're walking, Thessalonica to Corinth is 280 miles. That would be like you walking to Tillamook, Oregon to get squeaky cheese or something <laughs> With a stopover at Cannon Beach, like a stopover at Athens, you know. That, that's quite a ways to hike. Um, they'd been there for, whoops, i got to go back. They'd been there for a while. Um, and then they got news from Thessalonica because people did travel. They didn't always travel overland. Sometimes it was by sea. But, there were, you know, there was a lot of commerce, a lot of activity going on here. Eventually, they heard that the, the Christians in Thessalonica were fainting in their faith. They were, they were quavering in their faith because of persecution that they were going through. And so Paul writes them this great letter called First, we call it First Thessalonians. And, and this letter is sent there to encourage them, tell them, wow, you guys are so great. Everywhere we go, people are talking about you and about how great your faith is. And so, and it's kind of like Machias. You know Machias is known in a lot of places. A lot, of pla- you don't, a lot of places you don't know, a lot of village missionaries know about Machias because of the, the word of God that is sounded out from this place. But here in Thessalonica, they were going through trouble, and Paul wanted to encourage him, and so his encouragement there is that Jesus is coming back again. And when Jesus comes back again, we're going to rise, and we're going to get brand new bodies, and this is going to be really great. And then he gets another word from Thessalonica And that is, some of them quit their jobs because they thought it was happening right away. And there was somebody that was sending a false letter that says, yeah, you missed it. And it was signed by Paul, only it wasn't signed by Paul. It was a false letter. It was a pseudepigraphical letter. And so Paul said, i got to write another letter to let them know, yes, Christ is coming back again, but some things have got to happen first. And you will get to that when Tim gets to it might be a year from now because it's in chapter 2. <laughs> That's okay. We want to be diligent in going through the Word. And I backed up to verse 1 and just taken the first part of it, so I can't complain about that, right? So he's writing this letter, but the thing that put the brakes on for me is the word and. Now, it would be one thing <clears throat> if Paul is writing a letter and he's saying, I have a amanuensis, I have a scribe who's writing this for me, and that's Silas. But that's not what he's saying. Everything that he is saying here to the Thessalonican Christians, he's adding in Silas. Silas is saying this too. Even Timothy 
the guy who makes sandwiches, the guy who helps us, the guy who follows. He's not the teacher. He is our, our little protege guy. But he's included in this too. Why would he include them? Because they had been with him at Thessalonica. The church at Thessalonica knew Silas and they knew Timothy and they meant something to them. Here's the great apostle Paul. I would have to say, other than Jesus, of course, Paul is the greatest Christian that ever lived. He also happened to be the worst sinner, according to himself. He was the chief of sinners, but who can deny that the Apostle Paul was the greatest Christian that has ever lived? The one who gave us so much of the inspired Word of God in the New Testament. The one who lived his life and gave his life serving Jesus Christ, loving people that never loved him back until he was left all alone. And yet he considers Silas and Timothy not just important enough to mention, but to say, Kai, and, and, they're in a chain. And the Apostle Paul never ministered on his own. It wasn't the solo pastor deal. Now, it's true that a lot of our village missionaries, a lot of them, are solo pastors. They're doing it all on their own. In fact, we have a book that we're giving to them called The Solo Pastor. And it's not because we want them to be the solo pastor. But everyone who is using the CDI is developing other people within their church that can do the work of the ministry. How many of you know what the job of the pastor is? What's the number one job of the pastor? What do you think? You go to shout it out. Preach the word. Teacher. Well, actually, in Ephesians chapter 4, the church has been given apostles, prophets, that is those who speak forth the word of God, that preach the word of God. We've been given evangelists who will go out and evangelize and soul winners, we might call them. And we've been given pastors and teachers, except Kai doesn't come between pastors and teachers. It comes between all the rest of them, but it's pastors, teachers. And the job of a pastor is to feed the sheep, Right? Except these guys in Ephesians chapter 4, they're told their job, Tim's job, my job, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. To equip you to be missionaries, evangelists, to win your community, to teach you and equip you to preach the word of God, to teach the word of God. And one of the neat things about Machias Community Church is a multiplicity of ministry. Like Tim says, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. This is, this is a great thing because he's got so many others that are involved in ministry. And some of these village missionaries that you see week after week, truly they are out there on their own, but not Paul. <clears throat> not only was it Paul, Silas, and Timothy, but remember he's writing from Corinth. And in Corinth, there was a great preacher named Apollos. And Peter had been there too. In fact, that was a problem. It was a problem because the people in Corinth were a problem. They were, they were elevating people 
And they were separating on the basis of people. And some were saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, well, I, I like Paul. I'm, I'm the Paul guy. And, and somebody else would say, no, I'm, I'm for Apollos. And somebody else said, well, I'm for Peter. And to trump that, somebody said, yeah, well, I'm for Christ. I listen to Jesus. Well, probably not at that time because Jesus is already in heaven. So you're hearing from Jesus through Paul and Silas and Timothy and Apollos and Peter. And Paul tells the Corinthian Christians, what are we but the servants of Christ? That's all we are. We're ands. We are built on top of those who have gone before. And Timothy, by this time, is really learning. In fact, that <clears throat> there's one point where he's going to send Timothy back to Philippi. And Paul writes to them in the letter, and he says, I have no one I can send who loves you more. He is the guy that loves you the most. By the way, eloquence in preaching, smarts in teaching, doesn't count for anything if there isn't love. The most important thing that a pastor can do is not feed the sheep. That's part of the job. Not equip the sheep. That's part of the job. But love the sheep. Really love the sheep. I went to pastor school before I went to Bible school. I didn't know I was in pastor school, but I was. For two and a half years, I was a dairy farmer. I was a herdsman. I prayed because as a new Christian, I thought you could ask God for anything and he'd just give it to you. So I wanted an easy job and I prayed and asked God to give me a herd of cows. I was not wise, but God gave me a herd of cows. And I, oh, I felt such a responsibility for them because they were God's. And I truly felt I was just a steward of them. I was just taking care of them for God. I was so worried about the end times because I thought, all those people in Seattle will come up and eat God's cows. And I, I, was, <laughs> I was really mixed up. They were preaching on Revelation too much at that time, you know. Um, but I loved the cows. And I paid attention to the cows. And I only saw the right side of the cow as they came in through the milking parlor. Three and a half hours in the morning, three and a half hours in the evening, I was really familiar with the side of all of those cows. But I had to be out in the feedlot with them. I had to be out among them to see the left side of the cow to make sure the left side of the cow was okay. See, a good shepherd is with the people. A good shepherd takes care of them, finds the ones that are sick, and heals them. A good shepherd feeds them. You know what my favorite part of dairy farming was? Feeding the cows. I loved it a lot. I loved to just watch them eat hay, and I bought a 55-gallon drum of blackstrap molasses, and I would put a syrup topping on their hay because <laughs> I just, I loved it. And then the best part was when it was spring 
and I could finally let them out into the pasture. Have you ever seen cows go out of the barn for the first time in the spring in the pasture? And I mean, they're jumping in there, just, you know, you think they're going to hurt themselves. Sometimes they do. But it was so much fun because then I wasn't feeding them. Guess what? I was leading them to green pastures, and what did they do? They fed themselves. And if Christians are just warehoused and are pew bumps or chair bumps now, and they're fed and they're fed and they're fed and they're never led to the green pastures, they never can feed themselves. I'm thankful it's not that way here at Machias Community Church. You're taught how to feed yourself. You're led to green pastures. And where is it? It's the Word of God. Oh, i got to get back to my sermon. And when Paul says, we are workers together with one another, and that's what and means. Oh, i got to go back. I'm messing this up. And in 2 Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthian church, he says, we are workers together with God. So you take the and all the way back and where does it sit? It sits with God. And this is where we come to Pastor Tim. And when I told you, look up the word, that word, and think about it, I don't know if you did or not. You did? When Tim preaches Sunday morning, do you realize he's a... He's on a long list of ands. But that is a connection directly to God. Let everyone who speaks the word speak as the very oracle of God. I always felt a tremendous responsibility. Even after having been a pastor for, I don't know what, preacher, I should say. Preacher. So I'm still a pastor. But after being a preacher for 38 years, every Sunday... It was a weight because I realized how important what I was doing is because I'm speaking the word of God to people. I want to be careful. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to speak the wrong way. I'm just an and. I'm an and in there. But I'm connected to God. And that's Pastor Tim. When he preaches, do you feel that? Do you realize that? When you stand up here, don't do your own thing. Don't preach your own ideas. You're part of the and. You're part of the and when you stand up and you preach 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. It's Paul and Silas and Timothy and Tim. Really? Literally. But what about you? Are you an and? You are. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 says, Grace was given to each one of us. Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, this applies to you. Grace, charis, is the word in Greek. Grace has been given to you. It's a gift from God. To each one of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
And Ephesians chapter 4 goes on to say in verses 15 and 16, I'd like for you to read the whole chapter. In fact, that will be an assignment coming up here. But rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by what every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Not in numbers, but in love. And how does that happen? There was a reason why I wanted you to share good things today. Because you have something to offer with one another. That koinonia in the spirit, fellowship in the spirit. You're not to be chair bumps. You're to be share bumps. <laughs> You're to share with one another. Lift one another up because we are immersed in a world that is falling apart. And I don't know if you've noticed it, but it's accelerating. It will not go backwards to peace. It's going to become more and more tumultuous, and we're going to be surrounded by more and more falsehood and more and more immorality and ungodliness and wickedness, and we are coming to a time, you'll get to it, if Tim Ether gets to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, there is a great falling away coming of those who, we thought they were Christians, but it is the apostasia. It is the winnowing on the threshing floor where the chaff is separated from the wheat. It's happening. It's going to accelerate. It's coming. So you need to build one another up, and in each one of you is a gift. The whole body, joined and held together by every joint, which is equipped. But you've got to be equipped. You have a gift, but it needs to be equipped so that you can work properly, so that this body can grow and build itself up in love. Oops. Now, here is, here's your assignment. Oh, go backwards. I want you to read Romans chapter 12. Can you write this down? You can write on your phones too. Did you know you can do that with your finger? I do that all the time. With, well, maybe you can't with everybody's phone. I don't know. So but it's easy to remember because Romans chapter 12 and then 1 Corinthians I want you to read 12, 13, and 14 because it talks about spiritual gifts there, but these were the showy gifts. And remember, the church at Corinth was in a lot of trouble. They were having problems with their giftedness, and that's why chapter 13 is in there. Oh, that's a good idea. Just take a picture of this with your phone. You don't have to write it down. I see Don over there. <laughs> chapter 13 is such a key to this. And then Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to read those too. So Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, and then Ephesians chapter 4. 
That's your assignment. Okay, now I want to give you a CDI report, and then I'm going to let you go eat your grub, because I hear you got a lot of food down there. Statistics on the CDI, we have had 2,200 registered users since January 2018 to October 2023, less than five years. This doesn't count the four years prior when it was just out in the wild and we didn't have it behind a registration wall. These are people that have actually gone through the process of registering 1,971 of them as students, 249 as course mentors. We used to call them local instructors. That's huge. Because I know for a fact this is way undercounted. Not, not just the usage we had before we were registering people, but there's a lot of places where this is being used in groups, some small, some large, where the people themselves are not registering. And in fact, even the instructor maybe just registered himself so he could get access to the videos. But of tellingly, because more than anything in village missions, we need missionaries of those 1,033 have indicated they're interested in full-time ministry. That's huge. And that's way undercounted. You know how I know that? Because there's a lot of people that don't realize they're called into ministry until they get halfway through the CDI and they go, oh, maybe I should go into the ministry. And then there's a lot of other people that think, yeah, that's what I really want to do, but I'm not going to check that box because, well, God probably doesn't want me until God breaks through their inferiority complex or whatever it is and says, yes, I do. I want you. Well, that's since January, but new this year. So far this year, we've had over 200 students register and 32 course mentors. It's still happening. It's still working. And of those that are interested in full-time ministry, 97. And 43 of those just in the last six months. So this is a slide from John Adams' presentation to the board. I swiped it. I took it. This is what is happening in village missions. We have gone from, in 2010, 193 missionaries down to 153. We've gone from 208 fields that we serve or were holding empty. We've got 26 empty fields right now in the U.S. to 182. We do have a few fields where a missionary is actually serving two fields, but very few. We've, we've got a lot of empty fields. But contender, contenders grads, that includes Contenders Bible School of Machias, as well as the CDI that are serving with Village Missions. We have 17 current Village Missionaries. We have some that have died. We have some that have retired. But right now, there's 17 village missionaries that either came through Contenders Bible School here at Machias Community Church or through the CDI. We have two district representatives, and we have two village missions interns, and we actually have more that are working to raise support. In fact, there's this one couple. I really feel for them. They're, <clears throat> they're in Claremore, Oklahoma, near Tulsa. 
really a sweet couple. They've been all the way through the CDI, and now they had, they've gone through candidate school and everything. They had to set a budget that they need. They had to raise their funds, and they're short. And they just they can't gain any contraction because they come from a Southern Baptist background, and the Southern Baptist Church do not give to individual missionaries. They don't have an opportunity to go into any churches. So if you think about it, you might just be praying for the youngs. Their, their name is Young. They are young, too, in Claremore, Oklahoma. 13% of our current village missionaries and district representatives have come through contenders. And do you realize how big of an and Machias Community Church is? This would have not happened without you. I started teaching how to study the Bible and then Christian doctrine at Camino Chapel in 1977. But it wasn't until I got back here in 1995 that we were able to start Contenders Bible School. But it wouldn't have happened without you. God determined that it was going to happen at Machias. And because this church was so behind it, you were sending Marilyn and I to VM conferences before I became the CDI director. Machias was supporting the effort to get this happening. You're part of the and. You're, you're the reason that there are 13% of the village missionaries and district representatives today are in the ministry. And at the Balanced Life Conference, we just out, out here at um, Warm Beach, out of the 10 couples, these are couples that have been on the field two to three years. They've learned by what they've suffered a little. And so we bring them there to try to encourage them. Out of the 10 couples, five of them, 50%, were from the CDI. And you're part of the and. Jeff, you need to make sure that you tell these people that people like Chris and Bethany and Nisland, remember they were our VM spotlight? They're CDI. The only reason they're there in Nisland is because a little church in Mingo, Kansas, the board chairman called me up and he said, we need to start the CDI. And I talked to Pastor Tom and he says, I've been wanting to do that for a couple of years. And I said, well, I'm coming. Marilyn and I drove to Mingo, Kansas and spent time with the people there and told them about the CDI. They had the CDI. And then two years later, they, this little Church, dinky church, became a sending church and sent their prized possession out, Chris and Bethany. And now they're doing a great job in Nislin, South Dakota. Matt and Jennifer are in Morton because they went through the CDI. And at first they were mentored in Oregon by a couple, well, they, they, they really weren't getting all the mentoring they needed, so we had another couple from Monitor, Oregon, that had already mentored somebody and they were good, and so we thought, yes, they will do a good job. 
And they got Matt and Jennifer all mentored up and off there in Morton. And then our VMs this morning, Josh and Crystal in Rock, Wisconsin. They're CDI. I was told about them. Marilyn and I were at a conference in Illinois. And so I called them up and I said, how would you like to go out for pizza? We'll meet you for pizza. And so we took Frank and Lynn Puffer with us and we got there right at 5 o'clock and they were real friendly, but their daughter Lily wasn't. She kind of looked at us like, Nah. I thought, oh, great, typical teenager. And <clears throat> we had pizza with them, talked to them about Village Missions, talked to them about the CDI, and then we drove back. And John Smith, the guy, their friend that had told us about them and them about us, says, why were you guys an hour late? I said, what do you mean? I got there right at 5. And he said, no, you got there at 6. There's a time zone change. I went north. How could there be a time zone change? But there was. And Josh and Crystal never said a word. And I thought, these will be great village missionaries. <laughs> oh. Oh. And Lily, too. She's great. She's fine. Now I understand why she was grumpy. She was hungry. <clears throat> Daryl and Kim in Doylestown, Ohio. Mark and Donna Archer, our village missionaries there, took them through the CDI and mentored them. And then they, did, they retired. And so Daryl and Kim, <clears throat> like Tim and Carol, now he's the missionary there. I told him, I said, you know, this will take a little adjustment because people related to you as peers. And you had a lot of friends here. But have you noticed it's changed because now their relationship to you is positional, has to do with your position, and it stinks, but it has changed. Don't let that change here. I mean, we, <clears throat> we can do things that other churches can't, okay? Keep your friendship relationship with Tim on a pure basis. Friends, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ. And... Paul and Silas and Timothy? Yeah, and Timothy. Let's keep it on that basis. Let's keep that and. See how important that and is? None of us are standing alone. So pray for Daryl and Kim because their whole relationship world got turned upside down. <clears throat> Somehow or other, they got to get back to Anne. And then Rick and Stephanie in Looking Glass, Oregon. They were mentored... <clears throat> by Tim and Barb Douglas at Monitor Oregon as well. And in fact, Tim had said, I'm not doing the CDI. I don't want to do the CDI. And then Rick had inquired about the CDI, and we said, well, how about going to Monitor? So Stephanie is, her folks own a dairy farm. They still do. And Rick was working there, and they were married and everything. But So they started going to Monitor, and then that meant Tim Douglas had to do the CDI. So he started doing it. And it was just amazing. Marilyn and I went there, and she can still remember when we first met Rick, and he was just so quiet. He still is so quiet. But he's doing a great job in Looking Glass. And they're in the ministry, and he told me, I think it's probably the most words he's ever said to me out at conference. He says, I'm thankful for you because without you, we wouldn't be in the ministry. Well, it's not me. I'm just an and. It's and. 
the church at Machias because you made it happen. These people are Anne's because you were an Anne. Do you get that? Oh, there's, we had to add these guys in too. There's Ken and Charlotte, your district representatives who wish they could come to this church all the time if they lived closer. And then, you know, this guy right here. That's our, that's our main and right now, right? Thankful for him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for making us ands, for including us in this long train of those who serve you. None of us are insignificant. Each one of us has been given a gift that the body can grow in love. Bless Machias Community Church so it can be a blessing in this community and in thousands of communities in the United States and Canada too and in South Africa and in Malawi and in Haiti and, well, don't want to forget Uganda and Nigeria and the Philippines and Vietnam and all those other places that we don't even know about, but we're going to find out they were ands to our and when we get to heaven. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.